my friends. Welcome to Westgate Chapel on a Sunday. Our hope is certainly not in college football, um, certainly not in the Buckeyes, absolutely not in the Sooners, not in the Oregon Ducks either. Leave my team out. Hey, all right. It's been a, been a rough year over in Oklahoma. But we're going to praise God anyway because he's, he's where our hope is, all right?
God is good, amen. It's good to worship together, right? Yes. I was buried beneath my shame.
Amen. Amen. Good morning, Westgate. Good morning. You can take a seat. My name is Chad Suan. I'm one of the elders here at Westgate. And we're so thankful that you're here joining us this morning to worship the Lord. And before we get started, I did just want to make one quick announcement before I forget is that immediately following the second service, right up front here, we're going to be setting up a large banquet table. And it's going to be for all the Michigan fans. So you guys come. We're going to enjoy a feast here. Uh, and hey, you know what? I forgot. Today is Together Sunday. And so we don't want to leave out the OSU fans. OSU fans, welcome to come and join the feast. Or we'll have a separate table set up for you with sackcloth and ashes and things like that. So whatever, whatever you guys need, Together Sunday, right? So I'm joking, it's too soon, it's too soon. So uh, I'm, I am very thankful that all fans are here. Uh, or if you're not a fan and you're just a guest with us, we're thankful that you're here with us. In fact, in front of you, in the pew right in front of you, is a connection card. And we want everyone to pull one of those out, fill it out. You can drop it in the offering bucket as it goes by. Or if you are a guest with us, you can take that out to our guest services area and they have a special gift uh, for you. Or if you're joining us online, welcome. Good morning. Um, there's a link at the bottom there. You can click and fill that out as well. And that's a way for you to connect with the pastors and the staff and uh, fill out any prayer requests, anything like that you have on there. If you need any information, uh, you can ask for it there on the connection card or at our guest services center. Well, uh, as I mentioned, today is our Together Sunday. And so you'll notice around the sanctuary here, we got uh, from youngest to oldest, we have everyone here joining together, which is a great opportunity, right? Especially coming off of Thanksgiving. And um, I wanted to let you know, too, that if, if uh, anyone in your family needs some uh, extra activities, there are things out in our south atrium just past the cafe. There's some books there, coloring supplies, different things for whatever you need for your husband. Um, it's all right out there. So, uh, or if you need a little extra space for your family, our refinery is open. And so you can sit in there and uh, listen to the sermon and stuff like that and hang out in that area as well. Uh, but I did want to let you know, because of Together Sunday, uh, this service is going to be a little different, right? Uh, there's going to be opportunities for us to put into practice the things that we've been learning about the last couple weeks, right, about being thankful. And so you're going to have different opportunities throughout the service to do that. And so just with that spirit in mind, we want everybody to stand up and greet somebody you haven't talked to yet and let them know a couple things you're thankful for. That a little better. It was, it was, it was gentler. All right. It really brought them together. <laughs> Thankful for you. All 
good morning, church family. Go ahead and uh, find your way back to the seat. It is, uh, it is good to see our Buckeye and Wolverine Christian brothers and sisters still loving each other in church. I love it. All right. I did tell Chad after first service, I'm like, Chad, thank you. Our service is about giving thanks, and you've just made half the room mad. So, um, but anyway, uh, aside from that, as Chad mentioned, we've got a very special morning uh, of worship plan designed. Since we've got the youngest to the oldest with us this morning, a really great mo- morning that is planned. And I just want to encourage you, we're going to have just some different movements of thought and worship this morning. I just want to encourage you to kind of set aside the burdens you walked in with this morning, the anger from yesterday's game, whatever it may be, set it aside and give some time to the Lord this morning to worship him with all that you've got and to give thanks because God is so good. As we get started this morning, I got a question for you. How many of you know the meaning of your first name? Raise your hand. If you know the meaning behind your first name. Okay, good. That's pretty good. You know, what's interesting is in our culture today, uh, A lot of times we might know the meaning of our name. Our parents may have told us or at some point in our life we may have looked it up. Um, But ultimately in our culture today, names don't hold quite the same significance that they used to. But every name does have a meaning. And I wanted us to take a look and think about that a little bit this morning. Uh, I'm going to play a little game with you just to get started. Now, you can keep score with the person next to you, but I'm going to have you guess the meaning of the names of a few of our staff members this morning. So we're going to start off with Pastor Steve. Uh, pastor Steve is up here, our high school ministries pastor here at the church. And uh, I want you to think, what does Pastor Steve, what does Steve mean? Is it A, Hunter? Is it B, Crown? Is it C, peasant, or is it D, wealth? What do you think? Tell the person next to you, A, B, C, or D. What do you think? All right. You know, it was the same in first service. A lot of people think Steve is a peasant, um, which I think is really cool. Um, Actually, letter B, crown, is what his name means. So give yourself a point if you got that right. Okay, the next one uh, is Kendra. Kendra Sankovic is our spiritual growth director here at the church. Uh, She was great working with our classes and also with communities, our women's ministry. Very excited for everything she does here. But what does Kendra's name mean? There are four choices on the screen. One who loves. Does it mean be courageous? C, filled with wisdom. Or D, water baby. What do you think, A, B, C, or D? Final answer, tell the person next to you. The answer is C, woman filled with wisdom. However, give yourself a point if you said D because it can also mean water baby. Yeah. I thought that was really weird, Kendra. I don't know where you are, but I was a water baby. I may nickname you that. Okay, here we go. Next, number three. Randy Fall, Pastor Randy, our care pastor here at the church. What does the name Randy mean? Does it mean shield? Does it mean faithful? Does it mean deceitful one? Or does it mean majestic? A, B, C, or D? What do you think? Keep score. Here we go. The answer is A. It means shield. I was really hoping for deceitful one. He'd have really been mad at me for that one. All right, here we go. 
One, two more. This is Tracy. Tracy is our executive assistant here at the church, uh, working with Pastor Dave and myself. She is a rock star on our team. And if you call the church, she's typically one of the ones that's answering the phones. But what does Tracy mean? Does it mean A, grace and favor? Does it mean B, warlike? Does it mean C, little rock? Or does it mean D, youthful? A, B, C, or D? Let me think. Okay, I hear some C's. Here's some A's. Call it out real loud. You're not going to believe this. Letter B, it means warlike. I love it. And that's why she's my assistant, man. She is a go-getter. So, all right. Last one, no picture. But what does the name Rob mean? Does it mean A, brave, B, noble, C, shining with fame, or D, strong in rule? What does it mean? Right. You guys all mocked me first service because there's no bad definitions up there. Purposely, I made this game. The answer is, give yourself a point if you said C, shining with fame. I know, isn't that weird? When I first looked that up and saw that when I was in high school, I thought that is the strangest definition for me. Uh, But you know what's interesting is as you think about names, hey, enough with the jokes back here. I'm not going to say it. I'm showing a restraint. Sanctification. Okay, so... As you think about names and the meaning behind names, like I said, in our culture today, we may know what our names mean, but they don't hold a ton of significance usually. Like it's not something that we really focus on. But what I want you to see is that that was actually very different in the Bible. Very different in Bible times. When you look in the Old and the New Testament, for God and his people, it seems that names had incredible significance in defining a person and their identity. I want you to think about some of the names of people that we see in the Bible. Someone like Abraham. Abraham, his name means father of many. A significant name as we understand the promise that God made to Abraham saying that you will be the father of a great nation. A great nation will come from you. You think of someone like King David. King David's name meant beloved. And we see that in the Bible, he is considered to be a man after God's own heart. We see that uh, Esau had a rather interesting name. It meant what? Harry. Now, what mother calls their child Harry? I mean, he must have been pretty Harry at birth is what we understand. But his name meant Harry. You think of somebody like Peter. He was the rock. You think of the apostle John, whose name meant Yahweh has been gracious. You know, one of the things we see throughout the Bible, though, is that not only did names of individual people have significance, but even more, we see that there were many names for God, and those names had incredible significance. The names that were related to God uh, often were how God's people experienced him moving in their lives. And the name was a representation of a character quality or part of the identity of who God was. They would use the name El Shaddai, the almighty God. They would use a name like Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Uh, You would think of like Abraham and Isaac. Uh, When Abraham is told by God to go and to sacrifice Isaac on an altar to him, and then at the last moment he provides a ram uh, to, to be the replacement offering, you see that what Abraham does is he calls the Lord Jehovah Jireh, my Lord who provides. 
You think of in the Old Testament as well, the story of Abraham and Hagar and Sarah. Hagar being the, the woman uh, maidservant that was going to give birth to a child for Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah gets upset and angry and so she casts her out. And God meets Hagar in a very significant way and promises that he will care for her and also for her child. And what does she do? She calls God El Roy, the God who sees me. That in that moment of deep grief and even fear, to recognize that God sees her and that God is with her. You see, based on people's experience of God, of his character, of who he was, they had very significant names related to his attributes. And they used those names as an opportunity often to pause and to worship. As we come through the Thanksgiving season, together, but even more over the last few weeks of teaching about thankfulness and being thankful in all circumstances, I want us to do the same thing this morning. I want us to take a moment and to pause and to think about two things. One, how have you experienced God's work in your life over this past year? What is one tangible way that you can remember how God has been present in your life and been working in your life but secondly, as you think about that, what attributes of God do you see that cause you to fall deeper in love with him and to worship him? Maybe it's his grace. Maybe it's his peace. It's his mercy. It's his faithfulness. But God has done and been so involved in our lives, and I want us to pause and to give thanks. And as you're thinking about that this morning, I want to invite a few people to come out on stage here with me. We've got uh, Olivia George. We've got uh, Jonathan Lazardo. Both of them were baptized a couple weeks ago. Welcome them as they come. Also, JoLynn uh, Philippi is with us this morning. And uh, I've asked them to come and to share with you a little bit of like how they have seen God at work in their life in this past year and the attributes of God that they have seen present. Go ahead, Olivia. About two years ago. Oh, go ahead and try that again. About two years ago, my grandpa passed away unexpectedly. I was devastated to hear the news. Although I didn't see him often, I was very fond of him. Every time I visited him, I felt true happiness, not because of the presents and candy he spoiled me and my siblings with, but because of his kind and loving personality. I knew he loved my siblings and me very much, and we loved him back. So when we found out he was gone, I was heartbroken. It was extra painful because we had also recently lost my grandma. That same week, I was learning the story of Job at school. I was inspired by how he stayed faithful to God despite the fact that he had lost everything important to him. I noticed how God was listening when Job talked to him about his feelings and the pain he felt. I also noticed how patient God was while listening to Job's story. I thought if God was listening to Job's feelings, then he would listen to mine. For the next few months, I went to my room every night to pray. I told God how I felt and he comforted me when I needed it most. That is why I'm so thankful for God's understanding and comfort. That's awesome. Thank you, Olivia. Jonathan, why don't you share with us maybe what attribute are you thankful for and why? I'm thankful for God's uh, faithfulness. Yeah. Um, because I prayed for friends for a long time because I was sad and lonely. Um, and he comforted me through that time. But God has now brought us to Westgate 
and I've made friends, and I'm no longer sad or lonely. I'm happy. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that with us this morning, Jonathan. And Jolyn, you have had uh, quite a journey with the Lord, and uh, he's been very, very faithful. Why don't you share with us a little bit about that? Thank you. Um, I have a rare connective tissue disorder, and there's a whole host of issues that come with this disease. Um, the main one that God has been, uh, as you said, peace, given me peace throughout this past year, uh, several years, not just this year, but specifically, um, I've had to have, within a five-month span, an open-heart surgery to correct two aortic aneurysms because the disease causes aneurysms because of the connective tissue. I've had nine aneurysms, four are still within me, and about 13 surgeries. Five months later, I had to have brain surgery for a brain aneurysm. It was peaceful, very peaceful, but that's not the real, the real impactful. I, I know that you're thinking, what? <laughs> but the real impact of my life right now Part of the issue with my disease, this specific genetic mutation that I have, is that I have severe arthritis. I've been in pain a good portion of my life, uh, most of it. But over the last 12 months, it has gotten severely worse. Um, and in fact, over the last six months, it has gotten to where I could barely walk. I was walking with a cane. And it was so bad that I could barely, if you would have asked me to walk from here to where I was just at in the backstage, it would have been very painful. Um, stairs, couldn't do them. Um, anything beyond maybe from here to the doors back there, I had to use a mobility scooter. It was, it was really bad, very painful. And even when I wasn't walking, it was constant pain. I couldn't sleep at night because I couldn't get comfortable. Um, and it led me to just a very angry state with God. I was like, God, you've brought me through so much, these life-threatening illnesses, and you've given me peace about it all. Why did you bring me through all this to live, have me live a life of pain and to just despair? I didn't want to live like that anymore. In September, I had my annual scan that I get to check on the four aneurysms that I have and to check for any new ones to make sure that they're not, you know, none popped up. And I was truly to the point where if the four in me were going to be um, to the point where they needed emergency or intervention, you know, because they were about to burst or any new ones popped up that needed an intervention, I told God, I said, I'm going to tell the doctors, just leave them alone. I don't want to live like this. I can't. I had been to the pain clinic in Toledo probably a good three, three years. Nerve blocks, physical therapy, steroid injections, nothing worked. They finally threw their hands up and said, we don't know what else to do for you. And I wasn't going to live on narcotics. That was a, I went into this saying, no, no, that's not for me. I go to the University of Michigan. I'm a Buckeyes fan. <laughs> so I was a little torn yesterday um, but I go up to the University of Michigan for my medical care because of it's a rare disease and I felt this nudging from God saying you need to, you need to go up there for your pain and at the nudging of my husband too I finally, I do listen to him now and then 
Um, so I went up there, and they were telling me, first of all, they said, we need you to go to water therapy, not physical therapy. And water therapy, of course, was helping, but it didn't take it away. And when I went to water therapy, when I first, you know, they do the assessment, they said, you need to get rid of the cane and start using a walker. I went out to that car and just cried because I said, no, God, I'm too young to live my life using a walker. And then the pain clinic up at U of M said, we're, we're trying, we're doing studies on a specific nerve where nothing else works for folks that we want to try. I said, I've got nothing to lose. So they did the nerve block on those two, on both sides, the nerves. They said, give it 24 hours. I work from home, so my husband went to work and he came home the next day. And he comes home, rushes in, okay, so, so what? I looked at him, I said, baby, I'm pain free. There's a song out that's been out for the last year about shaking your fist up at the sky. I was so angry at God, so angry. But I knew he was still there. Then I learned he has pretty big, broad shoulders and could take it. There's so many attributes to God throughout this, this year that I've learned. But he is definitely my Jehovah healer. Definitely. He's given me peace, and he's given me a heart of worship like I've never had before. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing, Jolene. You know, as you look back and you think about your own past year or two years with the Lord as you walk with him, and you think back to how he has been present in your life, whether it's in the big ways or the small ways, we can always draw a direct line back to the attributes of God that we see of his character and who he is. And this morning, as we uh, sing a song here in just a few moments, what I would love to do is take a moment for every person that's here this morning to come forward during this song and to grab a piece of chalk that's gonna be next to these large chalkboard walls. And as an act of responsive worship, I would love for you to take a moment and just use that chalk to write up on the board the attribute of God that you have seen at work in your life that has caused you to just fall deeper in love with him over this past year. If you've got young children, bring them forward as well. We would love for them to participate. But let's take some time to actively worship and remember God's faithfulness through his character and through he is in our life by writing those attributes and using this time to offer up praise and worship to him. So feel free to come forward. And then as you do, um, I'll encourage you as well, before you head back to your seat, the chalk will be on stands up here in the front. There are also these cards that say thank you that we're gonna use later in the service. I would love for you to grab one and just take it back with you to your seat and hold on to it. So let's worship together. Please stand.
feel free to just come on up and write. We're going to just play quietly here as you finish writing those up. The rest of you may be seated. on the things that are written on these boards and think about how you have experienced God in these ways over the past year or two. continue to 
have a few people write. I just want to read out some of the things that are here. And I want you to think about the ways in which our church family has experienced God this year and his incredible character. He is our comforter. He is present. He is sovereign. He's our sustainer. He is faithful. He's dependable. He is wise. He's trustworthy. patient father he's constant he's our counselor he faithfully provides cancer free he heals you know as I think about all of these attributes that we've listed this morning I hope that what you see as all of those attributes come together is that paints one massive picture for you of just how deeply God loves you. That he is all of those things at all times to us. And the beautiful thing is that we know that that is true and that he loves us so deeply because he's proven it to us time and time again, but mostly through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. God loved us so much that he sent his son into this world to die for us so that we could have a relationship with God and be restored in that relationship with him. In a few moments, we're gonna be taking communion together this morning and you might see some ushers moving up and down the aisle. If you need communion elements, uh, you can just kind of slip your hand up and they'll bring you one. But as we uh, prepare to take communion this morning, one of the passages that we often read is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it actually begins with some interesting words and an interesting description that I think we often read over pretty quick. You've probably heard it said before, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. In this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're about to be given instructions about the Lord's Supper where we remember Christ's death and his resurrection, all that he did for us. But it begins with, on the night he was betrayed. You know what I find interesting is we often quickly pass over that as though all that that is there for is a quick reminder to us of when what we're about to hear about, which is the Lord's Supper, about when it took place. This is the night. So it's a, maybe a statement of fact, or it has to do with timing and helping us to understand the timing of the event. But I think that oftentimes when we do that, what we actually do is we pass over something that has deeply significant meaning. I know that many of us here in this room at some point in time in our life have experienced the pain of betrayal. Where someone that we thought was close to us or we thought that was a close friend betrayed us. And it can be a horrible 
and painful feeling that we walk through. Even as we talk about it, you probably have a memory or a thought that comes back to your mind. And with it, pain. Because betrayal is horrible. When someone that you have a tight bond with or think you do, does something that's so hurtful that it shows that they didn't value your relationship the way that you did. What's interesting to me is that this passage tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed. On the night Jesus was betrayed, when Judas, who was one of his close followers, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, knowing that it would lead to Jesus' death. On that night, when someone so close to Jesus cared more about money than his own master's life, on that night, Jesus took bread and he instituted the Lord's Supper illustrating for his disciples and especially for Judas the depth of his love for them. That even in the midst of betrayal, that he would give everything for them. He loved them so much that he would die to pay the penalty for their sin, even Judas's sin that he was in the process of committing at that very moment. It reminds me of how God's word tells us so clearly when you think about the gospel, that God loves us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, what's interesting is when you read that passage and you read that whole thing about betrayal and you think back to Judas, it should be a reminder to you that we have played the role of betrayal with Jesus with God and our sin against God that separates us from him. And yet he still gave everything. Like when you experience betrayal, what do you do? You push people away. You want them out. What did Jesus do? He pulls us in and he gives everything to fix the broken relationship that he didn't cause, that we caused and he gives his very life. I know we've got kids here in the room this morning and I wanna play a short video for you to help you to understand the significance of what Jesus has done for us by dying on the cross. Why did Jesus need to die? And adults in the room don't miss this very simple illustration that we're gonna to walk together, the significance of what Jesus has done for you. Let's watch. Why did Jesus have to die? You know, that's a question that we all ask at some point, and I want to explain it in a way that might make sense with a visual. You see, Jesus, Jesus came to take the punishment of our sin, the sin that you have done or would ever do. That's what he came to do. And see, you here look pretty good. I mean, come on, you look nice and clean, just the way you were meant to be. Oh, I could drink you up. <laughs> but we've all done stuff that we shouldn't do. We've all sinned in different ways. And the problem is, is when we sin and we bring sin into our lives, it changes us. It changes who we are. And suddenly there's elements in us that weren't meant to be there. Maybe it's, maybe it's bad attitudes or you, you yelled at your parents or you lied to a friend or you cheated on a test or 
or you hurt someone or you hurt yourself, whatever it might be, it's not the way you were meant to be. And God, God saw this and he didn't want it to be this way. He said, this was not how I intended you to be. So God had a perfect rescue plan. And that rescue plan was Jesus. Now Jesus was perfect. He, he came and he lived a perfect life. He was without sin. So the question was, what would happen if Jesus took the sin of the whole world, all of the sin, and put it in himself? And so he went to the cross and he took our sin. And Jesus took all that sin and put it in himself. That's the thing, is Jesus took our sin to the grave, but then he left it there. He left that sin in the grave, and he came back with new life for all of us. And he was still perfect and pure and blameless and everything that we needed. And so you, with all of our sin and with all that's inside of us, you have the ability to say yes to Jesus because we don't need sin anymore. Sin has been defeated by the power of the cross and what Jesus did and the power of his resurrection. And so when you say yes to Jesus and you ask him to fill you with his power, <laughs> it changes everything. Jesus brings freedom. You couldn't have taken this out on your own. You could not remove the sin from yourself. Only Jesus could do that because he died and rose again to defeat the power of sin and bring us true freedom. And that's why Jesus had to die. Amen. Such a simple illustration to make a very profound point. There is nothing that we could have done to remove our own sin because of our betrayal of God. And yet God loved us so much that rather than push us aside, he pulls us in by showing how much he loves us that the creator would become one of his creation and give his life so that we could be in relationship with him, literally paying the penalty for our sin. As we come to this time of communion together and we think about taking the bread and taking the juice together, it reminds us of the significance of the sacrifice that Jesus paid on our behalf, dying a horrible death so that we could be with him. But it's this act of love that draws us to a place of thankful worship every single day of our lives. And so as we come to this time of communion, what I would like to do right now is take just a moment, about a minute, minute and a half of silent prayer. Because as we come to this time of worshiping through the Lord's Supper, one of the most important things we can do is to allow God to search our hearts and to ask him, Lord, is there any sin in my life that is unconfessed? Is there anything, Father, that is between me and you that I've been holding on to? And then to recognize as we come to him with those things that he doesn't look at us with disdain. We don't need to come with great shame or guilt, but we can come knowing that he loves us because while we were sinners, he died for us. 
And so over these next few moments, let's just go before the very throne of God and ask God to forgive us of our sin and to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Then we'll sing a song together and then take the elements together. So let's, let's take a few moments in silent prayer.
sovereign. Sing it out. given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread, his body, a symbol that he gave all of who he was so that we could be restored to a relationship with God. As we take this bread together this morning, let's remember the depth of God's love for us and all that he gave for us. Let's take together.
continues and says in the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, a covenant of grace, a covenant that this blood would be shed once for all time to cover sin, that if we would put our faith and trust in Jesus, that our sin would be covered and we would be forgiven and restored to God. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take together. Wow, truly, Lord, your love for us is so incredible. We confess to you, Lord, that often as we go throughout life, while we profess our faith in you, it's very easy for us to become sidetracked by things in this world, Lord. And we stop living our lives as an offering of thanks and thanksgiving to you for who you are and all that you've done. We confess to you, God, that there are times in our life often where we take for granted the incredible sacrifice that you paid on our behalf. And so Lord, as we gather here and we take the Lord's Supper together and we remember all that you did, Father, may it be the thing that reminds us of the depth of your love. May it touch our hearts in such a way that we can't help but live not just in this moment, but every single day as a response of thanksgiving for who you are and for how you love us. We pray this together in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we started this series, uh, Be Thankful Together, just a couple of weeks ago, we talked and started with uh, the premise talking about how it is that we develop hearts of thanksgiving. And we said this, we said that thankfulness is developed when we recognize that the true gift isn't what we receive, but that the true gift truly is the giver. And there's so much truth in this when it comes to our relationship with God, but also in our relationship with other people. When we talked about this, we looked at the parable, or not the parable, but the story of the, the 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus. And it's been interesting as I've reflected on this passage over the past many weeks and thought about it. It has just, it has stood out to me over and over again how this one person, this Samaritan, this leper, who had experienced this incredible healing and then experienced this incredible gift. Like, have you taken time to really consider just how awesome the gift was that he was given? not just a physical healing and taking away the fear of death or what may come of him, but giving back his family, giving back his community, giving back his religious community, giving back his opportunity to work and provide for his family. Like literally, he received back his entire life with this healing. By the way, what a beautiful analogy when you think about what Christ really did in his life, taking a man from death to life. 
when I think about this, I can't help but be overcome by the fact that this man receiving this incredible gift, rather than running to the gift, turned around and ran back to Jesus because he recognized that the greatest gift he had been given was not his life back, but it was Jesus. It's profound to not only think about how we view God in light of all that we have received, but also how we view and express our thankfulness, not only to him, but also to other people. It's been interesting as we went through that talk just a couple weeks ago, how many of you have come to me and talked about how this passage of scripture and this idea and understanding has resonated with so many of you. This idea that, you know, there are times where we go, I think I'm a pretty thankful person, but what we recognize is that we're not always good at expressing that gratitude and thanks to God or to other people. You know, the truth is, is over the last few weeks, it's really been resonating with me. I have found myself really thinking about my own thankfulness and gratitude and how I express that to people. I found myself in our tradition uh, just a few days ago at Thanksgiving table. I uh, found myself to be a little blubbering mess as we went around the table sharing while we were, why we were thankful. You know, year after year as we share, it's kind of customary to be like, yeah, I'm thankful for good health. I'm thankful that the way the Lord has brought us through another year. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And what I've recognized is that oftentimes the thanks that I offer up is just about the gift. And God really impressed on my heart to share with my family just how I am thankful for them as individuals and grateful for them and grateful for the things that God is doing in their own life. Because I recognize that so many times with the people that I love the most, I often express my own gratitude and my own thankfulness very little. I think that it's known but it's very easy to take for granted that we don't often share it. As I recognize this, I know that for many of us, we find ourselves in the same boat. Sometimes this is true in our relationship with God and often it is true in our relationship with other people. And so this morning, I wanna give us an opportunity to take what we have been learning and to truly begin to put it into practice. As you came forward earlier, you grabbed that uh, sheet of paper that we gave you a little thank you card and you can take it and you can kind of fold it in half. It's meant to be just like a small postcard size uh, piece of paper. And in just a moment, we're gonna have a final song of worship together. But what I would love us to do is to take a moment to think about who is the person in your life that God is bringing to mind right now where you go, you know, I have not really truly expressed my gratitude to them. I haven't expressed to them how thankful I am, maybe in a while. And I would love for you to take a moment, right, even right now, we're gonna have the band just play quietly for a couple minutes before we sing. And I would encourage you to maybe even begin to just write a note of thanks and gratitude because of what God is doing here inside of you. And I want you to understand that's really where gratitude comes from with other people. Our gratitude comes that when we understand all that Christ has done for us and it develops thankfulness for him inside of our hearts, it's then that he begins to produce that same gratitude and thankfulness in us towards others and how we express it to them. And as we do so, that shows them Jesus within us. 
I'd encourage you to take some time today in this service or even later as you go to write a special note of gratitude to someone in your life that needs it and to express to them the way that God has used them as a blessing to you and in your life and use this again as an act of worship. And so as the band begins to play, I'd encourage you, begin writing. You don't even have to sing the song. You can keep writing or maybe sit and reflect and ask God, God, who is it that you would have me begin to express my gratitude towards? Not that it would be just a one-time action, but the beginning of something new that God wants to do in us as we learn to express thankfulness in all circumstances with all people.
go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. a moment here, one more uh, moment of worship this morning. We want to take a moment to just take our morning offering. And uh, if you see the buckets that are here in the middle, if you're on the aisles here in the middle, if you would take those and pass those across. This again is just an opportunity for us to worship again and give thanks to God for all that he has done for us. If you're a guest with us here today, please feel free to let that uh, bucket pass by. Uh, You are under no obligation to give this morning. Uh, But again, for us uh, here at Westgate, this is an opportunity for us to just acknowledge God's goodness and his provision and uh, to be a part of what he's doing uh, through this church and throughout the world. A couple things this morning as we're uh, taking our offering and also as we close our service. uh, One, just a reminder that our prayer room is open. We would love the opportunity to pray with you this morning. If there are any specific needs that you have for healing, 
uh, things that you're working through with the Lord that you just need somebody to talk to and pray with. Uh, I know that we would love that opportunity. Wayne and Diana are up here this morning and uh, would love to walk with you over to the prayer room. So please feel free to come up and speak with them at the close of our service if you would like prayer. Uh, and let me just tell you, you'll hear more over the next couple months. Like we've been getting some really awesome praise requests of people coming back and saying, hey, you guys prayed for healing and the Lord has healed me. And we're going to be excited to share some of this stuff with you. But like, I'm just excited about this ministry of prayer we have in our church. And so take advantage of it. If, if the Lord's putting it on your heart to be prayed over this morning, I would encourage you to come and meet with them. It would be a great time of prayer. Uh, a couple things as you go today. Uh, one, I want to remind you that inside of the notes that you've got when you came in today, full, chock full of information about the Christmas season, which kicks off next week. Crazy, I know it's here, but we're excited for it. And there are a lot of things that are going on. So be sure to check that out. And remember that there are always links in that uh, worship guide that will send you back to either our website or to our app where you can find more information about how to be connected this Christmas season. So be sure to check that out. And then lastly, we had a great time this morning in between services with our hangout and connect and I still see a bunch of food that's sitting out there and so if you want to connect and get to know some people, spend some time fellowshipping and sharing what God has been doing we would love for you to hang around in the atrium today, enjoy the snacks and fellowship together. So church family God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving and let's go giving thanks to God every single day for who he is and all that he is doing in our lives. God bless you we'll see you next week.